I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. understanding of the role the microbiome plays in wellness and disease is opening up a large number of potential therapeutic targets in the millions of genes that drive the microorganisms that live within the body. Elego Bioscience is developing a new class of precision medicines that use gene editing to address the expression of pathogenic genes in the microbiome to treat not only infectious disease, but other conditions such as inflammatory diseases and cancer as well. We spoke to Xavier Duporte, CEO of Elego Bioscience, about the company's use of synthetic DNA to target bacterial genes, its platform technology, and the wide range of conditions that can be addressed through this approach. Xavier, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about the microbiome, Elego Bioscience, and its use of synthetic DNA to develop in vivo therapies that target bacterial genes in the microbiome underlying human diseases. How well understood is the role of the microbiome in human disease today, and how broad a set of conditions might be addressed through modulating bacteria there? Um, So... The role of the microbiome in human diseases is indisputable. Uh, microbes uh, leave all over all over us on our skin, in our guts, in our lungs, and they play definitely a major role in disease, but in health too. And um, so, the microbiome revolution started about just over a decade ago, and uh, there is still today so much to discover to to understand about. A, how these trillions of resident bacteria interact with the host. And so during the, 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 its first decades, the, the field really focused on establishing big data, uh, big data sets that enable to highlight correlations uh, between specific microbial consortia and disease settings. And so today you can find publications for almost every disease that describe an increase in this or that bacterial species or a decrease in this or this other bacterial species in patients compared to healthy cohorts. However, uh, these are only correlations and may actually only be the consequence and not the cause of the disease. But today, the field has now significantly matured, especially in the, in the past few years, uh, with the emergence of much deeper sequencing methods, for instance. Uh, and this enabled us to really focus on identifying how specific changes in the microbiome uh, at the strain level contribute to the disease development. And so once you have a precise understanding of what bacterial strain, what bacterial gene uh, influence the host, then uh, one need to develop precision medicines that can modulate the microbiome in a targeted way, with really in a precise way, to have the potential to be disease modifying. And then um, 
the therapeutic opportunities are really vast. Uh, from dermatology to oncology, autoimmunity, cardiology, CNS, inflammation, modulating the microbiome with precision uh, has definitely a bright future. You're developing a, a new class of therapies you call oligobiotics. What are oligobiotics? So indeed, oligobiotics are, are uh, definitely a first-in-class uh, modality, a first-in-class gene editing modality. Uh, and they enable us actually to bring this required precision we're talking about to, uh, uh, to, to, to the microbiome modulation. Um, so our oligobiotics achieve that through the precise targeting and the specific gene editing of the resident bacterial genes. So the genes of the commensal microbiome that are engrafted, uh, that are you know, that evolve symbiotically with the host. And, and these genes that have validated causal link uh, to significant disease. Um, and so, you know, thanks to, uh, it's really thanks to the uh, um, um, big and powerful synthetic biology platform and capability that we have that enable us to create therapeutic delivery particles that are both uh, specific to the target bacteria as well as to the target gene within uh, the bacterial species of the strain. And so once we've delivered with this particle uh, a DNA payload, um, these DNA payload, you know, can express uh, an, a gene editing enzyme of, of choice and therefore can either remove, inactivate, or add genes uh, to the targeted bacteria in order to alter its genetic makeup and, as a consequence, positively modulate the host response. And so very importantly, um, you know, we're not, we're, we don't have any concern in terms of, 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 uh, of target because human cells are not transduced as opposed to all the other gene editing approach. Uh, uh, the particles only target bacterial cells. And so um, these, these oligobiotics and, and, and their unique uh, abilities really enable us to deploy the, uh, the whole suite of gene editing um, uh, capabilities to uh, a unique set of targets and address uh, uh, unique therapeutic opportunities that are currently not addressable by any other technologies. Uh, uh, and at first we have, with these oligobiotics, we have decided to focus on, on, on high value indications in three fields, in autoimmunity, dermatology, and oncology. Uh, and we have uh, specifically chosen targets uh, uh, for which the causal relationship is well established, so beyond correlations, uh, and for which the clinical path are actually de risked. Uh, by the ability to stratify patients uh, uh, um, um, who are the most likely to respond to the treatment. I know you're looking well beyond infectious disease, but from a point of view of antibiotics, yeah. it would seem there's a big opportunity to go after targets that have traditionally been treated with those. Mm -hmm. What are some of the advantages oligobiotics might have over antibiotics? So uh, when we started Eligo, uh, we had indeed just published two Nature Biotech papers uh, uh, where we made the first demonstration that uh, the delivery of a CRISPR system uh, on a DNA payload to a bacteria uh, could be used uh, to destroy bacterial genes and at the same time uh, kill the bacteria carrying the genes, both in vitro but also in vivo and numerous animal models with their, really their own microbiome. And so at that time, we had invented what we called sequence-specific antimicrobial. So basically, the, the most precise antimicrobial to date. 
Um, and with these, we can indeed kill specifically strains that harbor pathogenic genes, deterogenes, and leave the rest of the microbiome completely intact. Um, so, you know, this technology, <laughs> indeed, that is like the super precise antibiotic, really led to the, to the, the grant of the landmark patent in the field of microbiome gene editing, uh, uh, um, the, the really earliest patent in the field. And, but when, when, when we look at the, um, and when we you know, think about antibiotics, really precise antibiotics, um, when, so it's clear that, as stated earlier, the microbiome is as much associated with disease than it's with our health. And so it's clear that traditional antibiotics, beyond the threat of you know, fueling the rise of antibiotic resistance globally, uh, there are modalities that are really effective, but they're not specific at all. And therefore, they, you know, they will kill the pathogenic bacteria causing the infection, but they won't spare all the beneficial bacteria from the microbiome. And so definitely more precise alternatives are definitely needed. Drugs that can only target the, only target the, the, the bacterial species causing the infection, sparing the rest of the microbiome. And, and for this, there are actually a couple of new modalities uh, that uh, uh, work very efficiently. I mean, used in terms of, of uh, a new modality, very actually old modalities, but uh, that are uh, uh, becoming a bit trendy now uh, with a couple of companies pushing them forward. It, it's phages, for instance. So the phages that are the replicative viruses that prey on bacteria. And so once they infect the bacteria, these phages, they replicate inside the bacteria. They employ very sophisticated strategy to create actually as many progeny particles as, as, as possible by degrading bacterial genomes with nuclease. Um, and, you know, some companies are even today engineering these, 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 these phages uh, with, you know, CRISPR, with the goal to increase their potency uh, uh, of, of this bacterial killer uh, that are already extremely potent. But when you look at an oligobiotic um, that is equipped with a CRISPR payload, it's not a phage, it's not an antibiotic, and they're much more precise. So they're more kind of highly precise microbiome modulator uh, that can kill a specific strain within a bacterial species, so really a subpopulation of a bacterial species, a bacterial uh, member of your microbiome. And so therefore, we, we do not really focus on infectious disease because, uh, you know, why make something, why use something really complex when nature has already made the perfect predator? We really go one step further and so we focus on disease where you do not want to kill the whole species, but instead you really want to kill just the, the specific, you know, bad member of the family that is causing trouble. And so this really opens up uh, uh, therapeutic opportunities beyond infectious disease, of course, uh, beyond preventing infection or treating infection for which, um, you know, the, uh, the current, uh, the phages or engineered phages are already uh, uh, really well suited for. But we're looking at opportunities where precision really brings a unique edge that no other technology can address. Um, and you know, I like to add that the CRISPR killing is really just one of the the application of the platform. Uh, uh, you know, we can also edit the bacterial genes without killing the bacteria, or even add uh, uh, therapeutic genes to transform the microbiome into a, a local drug factory. What does it take to manufacture an oligobiotic and? and can this be done cost-effectively relative to the cost of an antibiotic? Yeah, so uh, that's, a, that's a great question. So, you know, we're trying, I mean, we're not comparing ourselves, you know, to antibiotics. Um, yet, to answer your questions on the cost level, we, we have put in place and we've developed you know, really um, interesting and sophisticated strategies uh, to uh, 
for the to really optimize the fermentation process because uh, we produce our, our particles via you know classical fermentation, uh, bacterial fermentation, and also downstream processes that really enable us to produce particles at very high titers with really high purity and at low cost. Um, uh, you know, there's not small molecule, they're biologics, but for biologic, we, produce, we can produce them at really low cost. We've actually uh, recently derived the, the CMC of the whole platform by uh, releasing our first 100 liter GMP-like batch. Um, and so, uh, you know, to go back to the comparison with antibiotics, I think uh, we've been really excited in the past uh, um, a year because as we're advancing different programs, we got really positive feedbacks from a, a number of market access experts. Uh, that are, you know, valuing our modality, uh, expecting evaluation of the and pricing of the modality at a, at a price similar to, to a high-priced biologics and not at all small molecules, small molecules like antibiotics. There's been a lot of concern about the growth of antibiotic resistance. Uh, I'm sorry. There's been a lot of concern about the growth of antibiotic resistant bacterial strains and the lack of new antibiotics to expand the arsenal. To what extent could Elegobiotics address that gap? Um, so I think, um, you know, we are, um, um, one of the ability of Eligo would be to um, not go after, again, you know, infectious disease, a treatment of infectious disease. One avenue is potentially uh, the precise removal of antibiotic-resistant genes um, um, by using our CRISPR approach. Um, um, to prevent um, uh, the spread of this of these genes, um, though right now you know we're we're this is not an area where we're mostly uh, focusing. Um, uh, we're really targeting uh, a disease where they're not associated to infections. I want to talk a little about the platform technology here. Yeah, you know it seems like the the, the microbiome has a lot of complexity you need to unravel. Oh, what's the process for developing elegobiotics? How do you determine not only the bacterium of interest, but the specific genes you need to target? <laughs> this is, this is, I think the, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the one million dollar question. Um, so we, we've built our pipeline with indications for which there is a strong mechanistic understanding of the disease with uh, a defined biology. Um, and, now, luckily for some disease targets, uh, the genes uh, that we want to edit, uh, destroy, or add, they're already known and described in the literature, uh, which makes the work a lot easier. Um, but now uh, we have, in parallel, also to get an edge uh, um, beyond the technological edge, but also uh, an edge on the targets, um, we have already uh, initiated a number of undisclosed collaborations with uh, KOL in, in, in our you know, therapeutic areas of interest, uh, with whom we've actually already filed uh, co-IP on double targets. Um, and, uh, because, and we want to double down on, on a specific therapeutic area where, for which we have actually started our own internal target discovery effort um, to build you know, an enduring pipelines of novel and proprietary targets. What is the, the GEM platform and how exactly does it work? Right. So the, the GEM, our GEM platform, uh, GEM stands for Gene Editing of the Microbiome. Um, and so uh, the platform is, you know, high throughput platform um, that is by 
both by really strong IP, but also, uh, and this is really our, our expertise at Eligo, in, in we, we combine synthetic biology, protein engineering, automation, and bioinformatics um, to really enable us to, um, as soon as we have, um, um, you know, a, identified a, a gene that we want to target and the bacteria that carry this gene, um, we can design, build, test, um, highly optimized delivery particles and the DNA payloads for uh, for these bacteria. And so um, we have actually uh, now achieved that uh, multiple times uh, for intractable bacteria, uh, bacteria that are keystone members of the microbiome and uh, uh, bacteria for which actually people have been, you know, trying to deliver uh, uh, plasmids, have been trying to modify them for 20 years, but have not succeeded. And really the platform we've developed enables us to do that, enables us to, um, to develop de novo genetic engineering toolbox for species uh, that are not, you know, the, the typical species, a lot of you know, companies work with uh, E. coli, Staph aureus, uh, the, the pathogenic species that people have, been working on for, for a while and are associated with infections. But as soon as you go into the more real commensal microbiome, then it's, it, it's a completely new world. And, and for these bacteria, you need, you need to have uh, um, so, <laughs> uh, um, methods uh, and, 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 and techniques to know how to deliver DNA and to know how to create these particles that can deliver uh, uh, the DNA. And, uh, you know, typically, I think, the best example we can we can use to illustrate the power of the platform to create this this delivery particle is is the partnership with uh, with GSK uh, on, on on the acne program where you know the, the bacteria that we're targeting in this acne program it's it, it's a bacteria that um, people have been we know it it is central in the in the disease in in actually not only acne but a number of skin diseases and skin health too but nobody has we, we, it's one of the hardest bacteria to work with it grows extremely slowly. Uh, nobody managed to get uh, <laughs> DNA into this bacteria, exogenous DNA. And in less than 18 months, we, we actually did it. We developed particles to, to deliver DNA uh, via this, this gem platform into this bacteria. And, you know, this is, got, this is what got uh, GSK extremely ex- excited. And so now we're deploying all these techniques with the strong IP on a lot of other keystone bacteria of the microbiome to, to, to really target really high value uh, and, and disease and programs. I, I do want to talk more about that alliance, but before we do, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me is that you can use elagobiotics to not only kill pathogenic bacteria, but also modify bacterial genes to remove a, a pathogenic gene sequence, and but leave the bacteria intact, as well as delivering therapeutic genes to bacteria to modulate a disease mechanism. My might you want to modify a gene but leave the bacteria otherwise intact? Uh, that's a great question, and 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 we're you know uh, super excited. We started we started indeed with with CRISPR to to kill uh, a, a bacteria by by destroying uh, its its genome. Um, but you know more recently uh, uh, we actually got a really broad patent on, on that new uh, gene editing approach. Is, we have demonstrated in vivo that, you know, in animal model that we can, with a single administration of oligobiotics orally, we can actually modify the genome of, a, 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 you know, a resident bacteria in the gut, for instance, 
um, in less than eight hours, modify 100% of the whole population, you know, one or multiple uh, nucleotide. Uh, and this is super exciting. Uh, we do not kill the bacteria. We can really do gene editing, base editing inside the microbiome in situ. Why is this so exciting? Um, so um, in a number of diseases, um, the gene, the bacterial gene that drives the disease is actually carried by the whole bacterial species, the whole family. <laughs> um, but these bacteria, because they are this family, this bacterial species, because it's a symbiotic bacteria, you know, you cannot, it, 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 you cannot remove it. You cannot kill it. If you try to kill it, it will come back. Uh, so the only way to inactivate the, the, the deleterious genes, which is driving the disease, is actually not to remove the bacteria because it's impossible, uh, but to modify, genetically modify the gene. And for instance, you know, change one base pair that will modify the conformation of the protein that interact with the host trigger inflammation. Um, uh, modify uh, one amino acid in a peptide sequence uh, that is actually immunogenic. Um, and so, you know, when you think about the possibility to modify a gene in situ in the whole bacterial family, uh, then you have a lot of application uh, that, that that starts to be uh, to be addressable. Um, and so, you know, the ability to do this without killing the bacteria is is really something that now we're betting. Uh, you know, we're advancing a, a lot of programs on uh, because we're, we're we're actually seeing uh, that. Yeah, for a variety of disease, it's the whole family that carry uh, the deleterious gene, not a subpopulation uh, that you could eliminate, uh, but it's really the whole species that you cannot eliminate, so you have to modify its state. At the same time, is there the potential to turn bacteria into drug factories, as it were, and, and program them to produce a therapeutic protein? Yes, of course. So, you know, really our, our delivery particle, uh, they can deliver DNA of any size. Uh, we're not uh, uh, really, you know, uh, we're not restricted by the payload size of what we can deliver in the bacteria. So we can deliver, you know, gene editing, gene editing enzyme, CRISPR, base editor, prime editors. Uh, but we can also deliver uh, information for the bacteria to express any type of molecules you want. And I think, um, you know, What's um, this is actually really differentiating us from the whole probiotics or engineered probiotics uh, uh, that are used to express uh, therapeutic proteins. Um, the, 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 the main differentiation is that our technology really enables us to leverage the existing microbiome, the bacteria that are already well engrafted in the gut, on the skin, in the lungs. And so really, indeed, turn them into local drug factories uh, by delivering this DNA payload that contains information for them to produce or, you know, secrete, display a molecule uh, locally. And, and, and this is really uh, important because one of the major issues today that, that exists with, you know, engineered probiotics, for instance, is that these exogenous bacteria are feeding uh, uh, to, the, to, the, to the patient or putting, applying on their skin. They have to fight with the, uh, the microbiome residents, the bacteria that are there and grafted that have lived in symbiosis with the host forever. And so these exogenous engineered bacteria, they, they are actually all very often kicked out of the microbiome shaded. Um, and so, you know, when uh, we started with CRISPR, then Basiliter, and, you know, we thought, well, given the, what we can deliver, we, and, and, and the 
current um, constraints of the engineering probiotic space. Um, let's add a third uh, approach to our gene editing toolkits. And so now we can, and we have actually proven already that we can, you know, uh, deliver genes uh, in, in the in gut bacterial population um, and produced at significant level already uh, immunomodulatory molecules, you know, such as nanobodies or, or cytokines, for instance, in the guts uh, via this approach. Last year, you mentioned that Eligo entered into a research and option agreement with GSK to develop a CRISPR-based approach to treating acne. This is a deal worth up to $224 million in license fees and potential milestones as well as royalties on sales. Why did Eligo do this transaction? Um, I have to say, uh, since the beginning, so we, you know, we're in discussion with a number of, 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 of pharma, uh, and um, since the beginning with, with the GSK team and the vaccine team, we've been really, really well aligned. Uh, uh, and I think they've really understood really rapidly the potential of the approach. Um, and, uh, you know, acne is, is, uh, is a really big market. Um, and I think for us partnering, um, with, uh, pharma at this stage, uh, the pharma that, and, and with whom we were completely aligned, uh, on how to move forward the drug, um, you know, we had, it was an internal program. They, uh, it, and, and they were, uh, highly interested in, in acne. Um, I think it was just a, you know, a, a very good match, and it is still a, a very good match. <laughs> How well treated is acne today, and, and what's the role of bacteria in the condition? So, um, acne is actually uh, most of the acne uh, drugs available in the markets. They they only provide symptomatic treatments, and they really don't cure the condition. Uh, there is also no treatments today in the market that address this acne-associated dysbiosis skin bacterial flora. So uh, um, um, the, 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 the fact that um, there is a subpopulation. So, so um, there is one bacteria in our skin. <laughs> I, go back, I, I go back high level to the, to the role of the bacteria. But there is this, uh, our skin is populated with uh, um, numerous bacteria, but there is this one bacterial species called Cutibacterium acnes um, that represents about 90% of all the bacteria we have on our uh, skin, mostly on the oily surface. So, you know, the face, uh, the chest, and, and the back. And what has been demonstrated in the past years is actually, so this bacteria is critical for the skin health, really, really critical. It fights against uh, other pathogens. It, it, it helps um, um, it pr produce antioxidants. It helps with the hydration of the skin. But there is a subpopulation within these bacterial species that do carry, um, that does carry um, a set of genes um, that secrete, that lead to the uh, secretion of pro-inflammatory molecules. And uh, when expressed in the in the in in the in a, a, a pilosibus uh, unit. Um, um, in the hair follicle, sorry, um, these pro-inflammatory molecules lead to, uh, you know, skin lesion, a pustule and skin lesion. And so today there's no treatment that can address this specific uh, dysbiosis that can specifically remove uh, uh, the uh, target, the pro-inflammatory genes in the subpopulation and remove this subpopulation. 
Um, and so, you know, because treatments are not precise uh, today, they're not targeted to the real cause. Uh, they actually have poor adherence because of all the side effects and their ineffectiveness. And I think today the most effective drug against acne is, is a drug called oral isotretinoin, uh, Acutane or Acutane. Um, it's very efficacious, uh, but has to be taken with care. It has a black box warning, uh, I plate registry, and quite a lot of administrative burden for the physicians and you know, significant compliance burden for patients of other six months. This is really a drug of last resort. And there is a huge potential, uh, I think, and a met need before we you know, needed to get into this drug of last resort. And um, I think in the acne field, there's not been really a lot of new uh, drugs in the past 10 years, 15 years, maybe 20 years. And so, you know, the, the, uh, uh, um, now that the role of the bacteria has been well identified, um, you know, we're quite excited that we can target this, this, this causative mechanism and, 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 you know, try it and cure a patient one day. You have a candidate EB005 in development. What is that and how does it work? So basically, um, so it, it's, it's a, a, a delivery particle that um, delivers, so it's a topical treatment, it will be a topical treatment uh, that deliver um, a, a payload, a DNA payload in, in the, the whole population of Cutibactum acnes, uh, this skin commensal bacteria. And uh, this payload expresses a CRISPR nuclease uh, that is uh, programmed uh, to target and destroy uh, this subset of pro-inflammatory genes that are only carried by this uh, uh, the, the subpopulation uh, that is associated um, um, to acne in acne patients. Um, and so by destroying these genes, um, uh, the nuclease will actually, um, um, you know, a single cut in these genes actually uh, lead to the immediate, uh, in, in, in terms of, you know, in, in a couple minutes to the degradation of tens of thousands of uh, DNA base pair around the cut sites in the bacterial genome. Um, and the bacteria cannot repair the genome, uh, their genome, as opposed to, to eukaryotic cells, basically. Uh, and this will kill very specifically um, uh, the bacteria that carry these, these genes and therefore really rebalance the microbiome uh, by removing this pro-inflammatory population from the skin of these patients and therefore preventing any further lesions. Where are you in development and what's the development path forward? <laughs> uh, this is a question we often have. Um, <laughs> and I guess you know the answer. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, you know, this is uh, contractually confidential, so I cannot really talk about that. Is there some decision point that GSK, though, has to make a go or no-go on it? Um, so we are in... Uh, um, um, <laughs> so here, uh, Daniel, uh, we, um, I, actually, I actually don't know if I can answer that neither. <laughs> Let me ask you about... a. Another candidate you have in development, EB101, which is being development for the treatment of acute inflammatory myocarditis and prevention yeah. of chronic heart damage. What is acute inflammatory myocarditis and how does the condition manifest itself and progress? Yeah, so uh, 
our, our this is our lead program in autoimmunity. Um, super, super interesting program and really excited about it. Um, uh, myocarditis, so it's a, it's a severe inflammation of the heart uh, that is can be triggered by infections, viral infections or bacterial infections uh, that leads to cardiac dysfunction and, and you know, increased mortality. In, in genetically predisposed patients, um, actually there is a phenomenon called bacterial mimicry uh, that worsens uh, both the acute phase of the myocarditis and also the, the, the subsequent lifelong, lifelong um, cardiomyopathy, which occurs in, in approximately 50%, uh, well, it's 47% of, of patients. So, uh, you know, very uh, uh, disease uh, that has, you know, significant burden for, for patients, uh, given that most of these patients are actually, you know, between 25 and 40 years old. And what role do bacteria play in the condition? So um, that's that's actually so, so that has been you know understood and understood and discovered just a couple years ago, and, and it really it, it really demonstrates how a gut resident bacteria, which is called uh, uh, Bacteroides tetaiota omicron, it's a long name, so I'll call it Bifita. <laughs> it's easier and simpler uh, to follow, and so so easier for me to to repeat. Um, so how this BT that is gut commensal uh, actually drive worsening of the disease and also drive long-term sequelae of the disease. And um, it's one of these diseases in which actually it has been demonstrated that these gut commensal uh, BT actually carry exact copies of um, a peptide mimic of a human autoantigen. Uh, and this uh, peptide mimic uh, expressed by this gus commensal actually worsen autoimmunity. How does that work? Um, bacteria are continuously sampled by gut immune system. So bacteria in the gut are continuously sampled by, by gut immune cells. Um, and so in, in, in these genetically predisposed patients, uh, some bacterial peptide mimic, and here this bacterial peptide mimic from Betita can actually induce uh, uh, activated Th7 cells that are then able to recognize both the bacterial peptide mimic, but also the host autoantigen. And, and so during myocarditis, what happened is that uh, because of the severe inflammation of the heart, the damaged, the damaged heart cells actually release uh, protein and peptides. And one of these peptides is a, a myosin heavy-chain 6 peptide, um, which is an autoantigen that is actually the exact same peptide than the, uh, the, the, the Tita peptide. And therefore, it attracts the gut-derived Th7 cells that have been previously induced by the bacterial peptide mimic, and therefore, uh, you know, triggers autoreactivity. And, and these cells, these Th7 cells, therefore, increase inflammation and worsen the whole heart uh, uh, inflammation in the heart uh, disease. What is EB101 and, and how does it work? So it's really a, EB001 is again a, a precision medicine. Um, you know, it's a, it's a vector. It's a delivery vehicle that's, um, that's here. It's not topical treatment, but we're targeting a, a good bacteria. Uh, it's going to be administered orally and it will deliver in uh, B-theta. Uh, this got commensal, not a CRISPR this time, uh, actually, because all the B-theta in the gut do have do express this uh, peptide mimic of host autoantigen, uh, the MY6 peptide. Uh, 
And so it will deliver a base editor uh, that will actually do a, a very precise editing, so in-situ editing of the uh, uh, gene sequence, the genetic sequence that code for the uh, peptide mimic, and modifying one uh, amino acid of this peptide mimic, uh, leading to a bacteria that will uh, you know, have secreted a peptide, which is not a mimic anymore, uh, and uh, which therefore will be non-immunogenic peptide. Um, this modification of the of the of the of the bacterial genome is you know stable. It doesn't create any fitness defect to the bacteria, uh, and therefore, uh, because you know the bacteria will not not express any more immunogenic peptide, uh, it will no longer be able to worsen the disease, uh, and therefore, it will lead to an alleviation of one of the major driver of this autoreactivity, uh, and therefore, uh, you know decrease uh, the really I mean help the, the symptoms uh, um, to be uh, to be uh, alleviated much faster and prevent uh, long-term sequelae uh, and I think something really important to say is that this uh, approach is really an approach that's um, um, you know is disease modifying because it addressed the cause of the disease and if you look at current treatment today they're only symptomatic uh, and so we're we're really excited about the, this 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 approach that definitely ought to be tested in in, in humans um, very soon. I hope. And what's the development status of that and the path forward? Um, so we're now advancing, uh, you know, in practical work, um, and so doing advancing uh, towards an, an IND, um, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, by by the end of. Um, uh, by 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 the end of twenty four, being able to uh, um, um, being ready to uh, to go to humans. Given the broad potential for the technology you've got, how are you prioritizing the indications you're pursuing? Um, now we're 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 uh, prioritizing them. Um, you know, according to I mean, we need um, strong target validation, strong market opportunity. Um, and uh, high met need and speed of development. These are the four criteria that, that are the most important for us right now. In 2020, you received nearly $2 million in funding from the nonprofit Global Partnership working to accelerate antibacterial development, CARB-X, to develop therapeutics derived from bacteriophages to kill superbugs and prevent deadly infections in transplant patients. My understanding is you are using phages not to kill bacteria, but as targeting mechanisms to deliver the genetic payloads. Can, can you explain what you're doing there? Uh, yeah. So, you know, um, again, um, the, um, so, you know, we are, it, it's again, we're, 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 you know, using the, the same, um, um, the exact same approach where, uh, in, so the, the, we're not phage, indeed. We're not using, uh, you know, the, 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 the modalities are not phages. Uh, though we are using the phage capsid, uh, so simply the, the structural component of the phage um, um, as a delivery vehicle. Uh, and this, uh, this delivery vehicle, then, um, um, we have engineered, you know, now we have methods to package in this delivery vehicle completely synthetic payloads. Uh, and indeed, so... Uh, these vehicle, the particles are, uh, can be, uh, they have their own targeting properties um, um, towards specific bacteria. But um, because, you know, we are not, we're really 
um, um, re-engineering them from scratch. We can completely modify their targeting specificities. We can produce them in, in basically a chassis cell line, which is really cheap to produce. We don't have to produce it uh, in, in the same type of uh, bacterial species as the bacteria we're targeting, uh, which is still required when uh, people are using phages or engineered phages. Um, and so, yeah, really the, uh, uh, the, the, the capsid for us is, is the phage capsids. It's really just a targeting uh, mechanism, but the, the payload inside this capsid is completely synthetic. It has no element of, of, of a phage genome. And therefore, the major advantage is that it, it actually does not replicate. Uh, and so we have, you know, very beautiful linear uh, dose response uh, to the uh, to the treatments uh, and when we administrate uh, the the modality uh, either topically or, or or orally the company raised 20 million dollars in 2017 from coastal Ventures and Seventure. how far will existing funding take you and what's the plan for financing the company from here <laughs> so we're actually just starting uh, the outreach for series B financing uh, we're now raising uh, 40 million. A dollar uh, in order to fund our first human trial with uh, proof of concept in patients, uh, but also the, the filing of two additional INDs and the development of one lead candidate in autoimmunity and uh, other developments, uh, including partnerships, strategic partnerships, which are uh, yet undisclosed. Xavier Duporte, CEO of Elego Bioscience. Xavier, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.